Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives him who sent me, the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Jesus and His life. We thank You that He came to inaugurate, to start the kingdom, and He is calling people to be citizens. Would You help us understand more what Your Word says this morning? For those who are weak and weary, would You encourage them through Your Word? For those who are backslidden, and who are living disobedient, would you convict them and lead them to repentance? And for those whose hearts are hard and do not know you, would today be the day that salvation comes to them? Amen. So as, as some of you know, and maybe by listening to me enough, you know that I quote a lot of church history, so it'll be no shock to quote another event in church history that took place. There, there were these two men in the 1600s. One was named Hugh Latimer and the other Nicholas Ridley. This was the time when the Reformation was starting to take place, and the, the teaching of justification by faith alone, that it is only through Jesus that you are saved and not by your works, that is starting to be recaptured and preached from pulpits again. And these two men were men who started preaching that message of justification by faith alone. It is not through your works that you go to heaven. It is through Christ's works, His finished work on the cross that you go to heaven. There were a group of people that really hated that these men were doing this, and so they bound them up, they tied them to a stake with wood around them, and because the people who did this thought they were teaching a false doctrine, they lit them on fire. 
here's how the story goes. This is a, a legend has it. As Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley are being roasted alive, like when you're at a barbecue, I mean, you don't get roasted alive, but something does. Hugh Latimer is starting to feel that he's close to death, and he cries out to Nicholas Ridley and says, Play the man, Mr. Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. I don't know what type of insane you have to be as you're being burnt alive to tell another man, play the part. Other than these men must have had the Holy Spirit in them. What possesses a person as they're being burned alive to cry out to his fellow brother and say, we are lighting a gospel way for all of England by our bodies blazing. What we're going to see in our passage today is that it will get bad. Jesus has not come to bring peace. Him bringing the kingdom was not bringing a kingdom of peace, but of division. And we're going to see that it even affects the family. That the temptation may be to love family over Jesus. And so Jesus tells his disciples, pick up your cross, commit to me, push your chips all in, and follow me. Because this mission that I'm sending you guys out on isn't one of doom and gloom, it's actually one of great reward. And so what we're seeing in this message, and just what I want to propose to us today, the, the aim of this sermon is that no matter how bad it gets, commit to Jesus. Take risks and see rewards given out. Let me say that again. No matter how bad it gets, commit to Jesus. Take risks and see the rewards given out. We're going to see this in three points today. Verses 34 through 37. Point one is our misplaced affections at times. The second point, 38 through 39, is that we need to, to be all in. We need to, to commit ourselves to Jesus. And verses 40 through 42, point three we see the risks or the risk that is taken and the rewards that are given out. So let's look at verse 1. Or let's look at point 1, verses 34 through 37. We, we start this passage with Jesus saying, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to earth. I've not come to bring peace but a sword. So far in chapter 10 of Matthew, what we've been seeing is Matthew has been instructing his disciples what the mission will be like as he's commissioning them to go. 
He's commissioning them to go and proclaim the kingdom of God, that the king is here, that the Messiah is here, that the savior of the world is here, and to do acts of mercy to those around them by casting out demons, healing people. So they are to proclaim the kingdom and do deeds of mercy. And so now as Jesus is wrapping up his instruction, he tells them, I have not come to bring peace to the earth. And this baffles us at times. Because we hear the title that Jesus, is, that Jesus has, the Prince of Peace. Or as the angels are singing, they, they sing and they say, peace on earth. But that's a title to Jesus that he is peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We aren't promised peace on earth. And one of the tragedies of the modern gospel is this idea that somehow when you start following Jesus, your life gets all better. That following Jesus means that my life is full of sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. <laughs> and if you have followed Christ long enough, you know that that's not the case. Following Jesus isn't a call into somehow a tranquil life here on earth where, where I set up a time and a, and a day to go to the spa with Jesus. This isn't a spa date. It's not tranquility. Jesus is saying, I have not come to bring peace to earth, but a sword. But more in context, what Jesus is, is driving home here is what the disciples and who the Jewish people thought was coming. They thought that not a, a humble servant Savior was coming, but a political king was coming. Oh, how we need this message desperately right now. The people of God have always been tempted to trust the government or the kings of their day over God, thinking that somehow the government or kings will bring the peace that we long for. And what Jesus is saying is that if that's where you're looking for your peace, the government establishing this peace on earth, you're never going to find it. Look here, let me say this as clearly as possible. Right now, the, the church in America is going through a transition. Christianity used to be a very favorable thing in this country. And it has slowly progressed away from that. And if you're going to put your hope in the government to bring peace and help protect certain things that you want protected, then you are putting your hope in something that will fail you. 
Not that we shouldn't long for rulers and governors and mayors and senates and presidents who love Jesus. Not that there aren't times when just rulers come into power. But if you put your hope thinking that the governors or the government will bring peace here on earth, you have already misplaced your affections. Because what Jesus is telling his disciples, when you go out and start proclaiming a kingdom that is foreign to this world, there will be sword. There will be hostility. How so? We get one picture of this as Jesus tells us as we continue to move on. For I've come to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. This is uh, what Jesus is doing here. He's confronting one of the most important units of the day. We have a harder time understanding how significant family was because we live in a very individualistic world. Our culture values individualism, whereas a culture, a first century Jewish person, was told that they were to commit to their family. They had no option of saying, I'm going to go be a doctor, I'm going to go be a lawyer, you were going to be what your mom and dad wanted you to be because you played a role in that family unit. And so Jesus is saying families will be torn apart. We, we get a picture of this as Jesus himself, as his brothers and his mom are sitting there saying, my son, my brother's gone insane. Can somebody go and get him? And Jesus looks out and says, who's my brothers? Who's my sisters? Who's my mother? The, the people who follow God. Some of you are facing this tragic reality right now. Where because you said, I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I follow Jesus... You're having to have conversations with your parents or with siblings that are totally counter of what the culture is telling you to believe. Some of you are being called bigots by your own family members. And yet Jesus has called you to a total commitment and He has told us that this is coming. One commentator that I was reading put it like this. A little bit earlier, what we saw is Jesus saying, don't let your family scare you away from the mission. Right? He says this earlier, that brothers will deliver brother, that father, his children, children, their parents. He's saying earlier in this instruction, in this message, don't let your family scare you away from the mission. And now what he's telling his disciples is, don't let the love that you have towards your families keep you from this mission. But we come to this passage and, and we can't fathom the reality that our families might turn on us, right? 
Will my family really turn on me? And the answer is yes. Just by some of you coming here this morning, you are causing dysfunction in your household because one spouse wants to stay and the other spouse wants to come. And this is the temptation that Jesus is warning about. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is warning his disciples, whom, by the way, some of them were married, about their misplaced affections in their family over Jesus. Some of us idolize our families to the point where we would be willing to deny Jesus in order to stay a part of the family unit. And what Jesus is telling his disciples is that because I have not come to bring peace but sword, families will be divided. So put your affections in me. Don't idolize your family. Trust me. Live for me. What we need to ask ourselves is, do we have misplaced affections in our family over our king? And if the answer is yes, then we need to go humbly to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Repent. And trust our king over our family. How do we trust our king over our family, though? This is where we then go to our second point. This is why we need to commit and we need to be all in for Jesus. If we look at verses 38 through 39, we, we see what Jesus says. He says, And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The disciples knew exactly what Jesus was getting at here. What, what Jesus was getting at is whoever's not willing to pick up their cross and die for the sake of following me is not worthy of me. This is why he's calling out their possible misplaced affections and saying, don't love your family over me. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Die to yourself and follow me. Because his words are clear, if, if you are not willing to do this, then you are not worthy of Jesus. He is asking for our total commitment. All of our commitment. Taking your cross, picking it up, means to deny yourself. To deny your fleshly and sinful tendencies to idolize the things here on earth. 
It's to die to yourself and follow the king and what he commands. For some of us, this looks like forsaking our families. That doesn't mean ignoring your families. Pray for them. For some of us, what that might mean right away, right now, this day, is that you follow the king. Maybe you're here this morning and and you haven't been all in. You haven't picked up your cross. You haven't denied yourself to follow Jesus. Maybe this is the day right now where you commit to Jesus, where you repent of your sin and you trust in Jesus as your king, as your savior, as your Lord. Because those, what he's saying here, that that don't, are not worthy of following him, aren't worthy of him. And if you are not worthy of him, then what what you are worthy of is eternal wrath. And so we follow the king because the king is worthy to be followed. We deny ourselves and we follow the king. This is why when Paul is writing in the book of Philippians, if there's any encouragement in love, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love. Don't count your interests more highly than the interests of others. Why? Because Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ rose and He ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father where one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Pick up your cross today and follow Jesus. Commit. Push all your chips in. Right now. Because Jesus goes on to say, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a play on words here. Some people look at this differently, but I think you can look at it both ways if you really wanted to. Whoever finds his life, meaning whoever finds salvation, will lose it. Jesus is simply saying whoever finds their life, whoever submits to the king. What I've just been saying about being persecuted, what I've just been saying about not bringing peace but sword, if you find your life in me, you'll lose it. Because people will persecute you. Another way that some people look at this is whoever finds his, whoever finds their life here on earth, whoever dedicates themselves here to earthly things, to worldly things, pursuing things of this life, will lose it in the next. I think you could translate it both ways. I think it's perfectly fine to look at it both ways. But the reality is, is what Jesus is calling them to is a total commitment. Because if you find your life in me, then you'll lose it by persecution. If you find your life here on earth, then you will lose it in the life to come. Whoever loses his life, whoever forsakes this life right here for the King's sake, for Jesus' sake, He will find it. 
Church, are we all in? Have you seriously contemplated the realities of what it's like to be all in for the sake of following the King, proclaiming the kingdom, and doing acts of mercy to others? Have you counted this cost? Because if you haven't, then I would highly suggest and plead with you today, count the cost. Because those who don't count the cost and follow Jesus will not be worthy of Jesus. And on that day that you go to Jesus and you say, look, Jesus, here I was. I kind of counted the cost. He will look at you and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Those who are lukewarm, who have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, will not enter the kingdom because as Jesus says here, they are not worthy of Him. So how do I pick up my cross? How do I lose my life? You follow the King with total commitment. You follow Him with your whole life. Singing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And then you never turn back. But in case it seems like this is a message of doom and gloom, like I said, this message is not. Jesus ends His instruction with a joyful encouragement. It doesn't get much better than these last few verses. It really doesn't. So let's, let's move on to, to point 3, verses 40 through 42. Let's take the risks. Let's see the rewards handed out. Jesus says, whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives Him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is righteous is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. What Jesus is telling His disciples is whoever receives you, my disciples, receives me, Jesus, and whoever receives me, Jesus, receives the Father who sent me. In the Old Testament, we can find what Jesus is kind of alluding to here in 1 Kings. If you were to receive a prophet or receive a righteous person, you weren't just receiving them into your house. You were receiving their message as good, as true. You were receiving what they had to say. This was an act of faith. You were receiving it. And so what Jesus is talking about here is as you go on your mission and those who receive you into their house, they receive your message, they will receive the reward of eternal salvation. The one who receives a righteous person 
receives a righteous person's reward, which is eternal salvation. What Jesus is telling his disciples to do is to go out, take those risks, go to people, and if they win, they receive you and receive the message. Know that this is a time of praising God because they have received eternal life. This is what he's saying at the end in this last verse here. And whoever gives one of these, a little one, even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Jesus is now saying whoever gives a little one. He's talking about children, but he's also talking about those disciples who cannot help themselves. He's talking about those Christians that have absolutely nothing to give back to you who even gives them just a little cup of water, of cold water, he will by no means lose his reward. So you go and you serve, hoping, praying, pleading that they receive the reward. So what risks do we take? I already mentioned the reward that's received. It's being a citizen of the kingdom. That's Jesus as your Messiah. That's the eternal salvation that never fades, rusts, or could be stolen. The risks that Jesus is talking about here, the risks that we see of of going, of going, is bringing the news of the kingdom. Let's back this up to chapter 9. Right when Jesus is finishing chapter 9, what is he telling his disciples? Look here. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out more laborers into his harvest. The risk that we take as the body, as our church, is we go to the harvest because it's plentiful. This is the promise that Jesus gave. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Who is willing to go? Because those who go and reap the harvest, they're going out and seeing the reward given to those who are accepting or receiving the disciples' message. Church, are we a church that's going out and taking risks to see rewards given out? Are we a church that's taking a risk to see the beautiful gospel become a a reality in people's lives? Are we taking risks by bringing the good news of the gospel, Jesus Christ, to the least likely, the outcasts, the poor, the marginalized? Because Jesus ends his instruction here in chapter 10 by saying, those who receive it, receive the reward. 
There is no better reward to receive in this life than that of the gospel. Of eternal salvation. So I finish our message this morning asking the question, are we all in? Are we all in no matter how bad it gets? Are we all in even if it means that there will be family divisions? Are we all in ready to take risks seeing those who are living in sin, shackled in their sin, receive the beautiful reward of salvation? I've got nothing else. Let's pray. Jesus, you say the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so would you please right now raise up laborers who are ready to go to work. Who are ready to go to work today. Today.